And why the hell did I do that? And you would talk about her so much about I love she this she this I love her, I love her love her. And then I would and I would say show her that you love her. But I've never been a person that brings trauma in her life. I'm trying not to cry right now. But I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know how to do that because I had so much trauma in my life that trauma is all I knew. What was normal for me was trauma. The excitement about Kiana was this was the first time that I loved somebody authentically. But I said it earlier, you can't out-love somebody's trauma. I'm talking about mine. Yep. Because I know she loved me. Mm-hmm. But I had so much going on, man, that that it was unfair to her. You know, it was really unfair to her in so many ways. Um, and I heard her. I never imagined my public healing would inspire others to heal across the world. I thank you for using him to reach the world with the message of hope in relationships. But your life does not. God, you are my publicist. We laugh. <laughs> we share the unadulterated truth. He said, not only have I not divorced you, I ain't exposed you. Oh. We didn't marry fans, we married forever. And we wanted forever to act like a fan. Reveal her, Jesus. I will not compromise Mm-mm. on getting a woman of God. You don't have to. And Father, I declare for his future wifey, thank you for preserving her. This season, I declare miracles and manifestations. See, you're selling scripts. And you're unique. You ain't like nobody else. I I noticed that right away. You being true to who you are, you're going to attract. It's a Hebrew word, chayil, and it was translated wealth, and it means people. It means men, it means resources, and it means means. I'm Lateris R. Whitfield, and this is the Dear Future Wifey Podcast. Welcome to the Dear Future Wifey Podcast. I'm your host, Lateris R. Whitfield. Listen, I am so excited. We have reached the milestone of 300K subscribers. That was the goal to hit before our three-year anniversary on April the 15th, and we're already at well, as we're recording this episode, we're at 322,000 uh, subscribers. We've been growing leaps and bounds over the last couple of weeks. So thank you so much. A lot of you new listeners, thank you so much. But listen, are you still shacking up with us? If you're not counting that 322,000, then I need you to hit that subscription button and subscribe. Stop shacking up with us and make a commitment. Listen, uh, as y'all know, this this season, Miracles and Manifestation has been absolutely amazing, absolutely powerful. You know that I've been very, very intentional with the guests that I bring on the podcast. Today's guest, you saw him in season one of the Dear Future Wifey podcast. He and his beautiful bride, uh, you saw their whole journey while they were um, engaged. We saw them the first week of them being engaged. And um, so we're going to get an update. We're going to have a conversation. I have my buddy on the podcast today. Um, so without further ado, welcome to the Dear Future Wifey podcast, my homie, Corey Hughes. What's going on, man? How you doing? Bro? What's going on? Now, one thing I do want to tell people, because um, I try to provide a safe space for my guests, I want that safe space to transcend not only from this set, but all the way through the comments uh, on YouTube and whatnot. Uh, I don't take it lightly when um, I bring a guest on here and you guys Trust me for this level of vulnerability stuff that y'all have never shared with the world. I'm very protective over you. So I want to make sure and I'm letting people know that if I see negative comments, I'm going to delete it on the YouTube channel because uh, 
I wanted you, I was asking God to get you to the place from a heart perspective where you can actually share what you've been, uh, what you've gone through. And um, we both believe that the time is now. The time is now. Absolutely, man. Why is it now? Um, you know, it's funny. When I was on your podcast the first time, uh, you, we shot a video together and I said, when you know, you know. Right. And um, just through this journey, just through this process, just through this timing, I knew it was time to tell the story. Um, and I think that, you know, that my story will help a lot of men um, that, that have, you know, not dealt with uh, childhood trauma, have unresolved issues that are impacting not only their their relationships with their their wives, but their relationships with them, themselves. Right. And so uh, the time is now, man. I want to call this episode the miracle of honesty. The miracle of honesty. That's one of the things that we always beg uh, people that we care about, whether it's our children, whether it's our loved ones. Uh, we say, just be honest. Just be honest. Yeah. You know, we'll beg for them to just be honest in that moment, because if they can at least be honest, then the healing can take place. If they can at least be honest. I tell my kids all the time, if you be honest with me, then nine times out of 10, you won't even suffer the consequence of it. And they know that, but they'll, <laughs> they'll still lie. Yeah. And I'm like, this is crazy. And then they'll actually tell me the truth. If I ask them, Hey, did it, you know what happened when they come forward with the truth? I'd be like, all right, thanks for telling the truth and going about my business. And I try to create the atmosphere to just say, just be honest. Yeah. Um, and so as you and I've been talking over these last couple of years, um, God has been pruning you and building you and shaping you and fashioning you for this level of honesty that will be shared today. So first of all, I just want to salute you for uh, being the man that said, I'm going to be 10 toes down and tell my truth. Yeah, man, it's, it's, uh, it's been a tough journey. You know, uh, I think it was David that said that uh, it was good that I was afflicted, that I may learn the decrees of the Lord. And what I've discovered in my journey is that sometimes affliction uh, is life's greatest teacher. And oh, yeah. you begin to learn more about God and you learn more about yourself when you've been through some things. And it's funny, you talked about truth. You know, I tell my children, uh, I tell everybody in my circle that I would rather have the ugly truth than a beautiful lie. There it is. And I think we've been conditioned to beautifully lie to ourselves and to our spouses and everybody else. But I think growth and healing starts with being honest with self. Facts. And oftentimes the truth is not always the prettiest. There it is. Um, yeah, there it is. Um, one of the things that, so during our conversations we've had, what allowed me to bring you back on the podcast is you said, you know what? It was this one thing that you said before you was like, hey, you need to bring me back, bring me back. And I was like, it's not ready. You said, I'm ready to come on. I said, why? You said, because I was the one that messed up my marriage. Yeah. And yeah. I said, you ready? Yeah. Uh, not saying that your your spouse is blameless, but as a man, you're taking full accountability of your your act uh, in the marriage. And that's when I said, okay, now, now, now you're ready to talk about it. Um, those that didn't see the episode in season one, uh, the name of the episode was what? When you know, you know, when you know, you yeah. know, um, those that didn't see it, we're going to take a moment and show you uh, a snippet of the proposal. So take a look at this right now. So you asked me why now? Now, the reality is I've been asking myself that same question, um, probably because I've been asked that question by my friends a thousand times over the last week. And the same answer that I give them is the same answer that I give myself and the same answer I give you. You just know when you know.
today is my man's birthday. You know, he's turning 43 and it was so hard to hide something from him. It was a surprise party. You know, he thought we were just going to dinner tonight and we're here, you know, we're here at the golf course. I wanted to do something special because I know he loves golf and he loves going to the casino. So I was like, why not do it at the golf course and have a casino theme inside, so. Y'all give it up for the birthday boy! So I know for a fact she has no idea that this is going on. As a matter of fact, um, because I'm such a good planner, um, I planned for her to plan my own surprise birthday party. So um, it was June of 2019, and I was in uh, Los Angeles, California. From around this truck, I just saw this beautiful woman um, walk around the truck, and it was like something in the movies. Uh, it was almost like cosmic, like a heavenly moment that I knew exactly when I laid my eyes on her. I knew that she was the one. All right, so tonight I'm actually gonna propose. I'm gonna propose to Miss Kiana tonight. Yes. Katie, what do you think, baby? Yes, all the way. Yes, all the way? Y'all, so y'all approve? Yes. Okay. All right, well, I'll, I'll let y'all know when it's done, okay? Okay. All right. I promise you, I love you. Though you have planned this surprise. Come on. Come on, now. It was really a surprise for you. that I could ask for on, for my birthday. On, the one thing on, that I want is for you to be my wife. She said yes. <laughs> um, the journey begins. Here we go. I was scared, um, but she said yes. I am shaking so bad. <laughs> what does that mean? Wow! Oh, isn't that beautiful? Yes. Oh my God! My hands are shaking so bad. Yes, it was. Oh, I love you. What did so, you say? I love you. Yes. You say yes. 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 So obviously this is not my first rodeo. Uh, I was married before for 12 years and you know, what's gonna make this one different is that I'm different, that my, my worldview is different. My experiences have kind of shaped me. When I got married in 2004, I had no idea what it meant to not only be a husband, but what it meant to be a, a man. Through trial and error, through mistakes and failures, through victories and successes, 
Uh, it's made me who I am today, and I'm confident that I'm ready to be a husband again. I really thought I was just surprising him for his birthday. I thought, you know, I would never think he would propose me at his birthday party where I'm throwing help, you know? See, this is what I mean. You know, he always makes things about me when it's about him. <laughs> There's no greater gift that I could ever receive than you. So Corey, when you go back in your mind, who was that Corey when you decided to propose to your wife Kiana? Why? You know, it's it, it hasn't changed. You know, the, it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. You know, the first moment I met her, I knew uh, I was crazy in love with her. Uh, I could not explain it, uh, but she, I knew she was the one. Now, what I did not know at the time is that she wasn't just the one for me, but she was the one that would force me to see me. Um, and I think oftentimes we think, you know, when vetting people and looking for partnership, we look for someone to make us feel good about who we are and to pour into love and to build a legacy with. But but a great person that your person right. will not only cause you to increase your level of vision, but also your level of introspection. And so um, I can honestly say she was the first woman that I loved enough that I looked at myself and and decided that, you know, I want to be different. So when you looked at yourself, what did you see? You see this amazing woman and you said when you first saw her, you said eyes on you was like you felt like it was God that said that. So here it is. You felt like God said this is your woman looking introspectively at yourself. What did you see? And I'm going to talk about at that stage because I know God continues to peel back layers as we go through marriage. So I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But at that stage, when you said, will you marry me? How did you feel that you were showing up at that time? As far as how I showed up or yes. what I saw in her? What you saw in her? Both. Let's, let's talk about both. Yeah. You know, um, I just saw everything that I wanted in a woman. Um, you know, the the joy, the love, the the compassion, uh, the youthful um, innocence—I uh, seen it all, man, and it was—it uh, was refreshing to me. Uh, it was the first time that I had been in a relationship where I authentically just wanted to love them. Uh, and you know, one of one of the ways that I showed my love um, was through through gifts, you know, because you know we all we heard the the five love languages or whatever. And so, one of the ways that I express love is by gifts and by acts of service. And I just wanted to serve. I just wanted to, you know you know, give her the world and serve her, man. And so it was the first time that I'd actually felt that feeling and I knew that it was authentic and genuine. Um, a lot of people in the comments um, were saying that you were a textbook narcissist because of how you were, quote unquote, love bombing her, giving her gifts. Uh, well, you said the first date was the three R's. And what was those R's? Yeah, we uh, I had a roses, uh, rose and, and some red bottoms. Yes. Yeah. And so most women were saying there, there were, I'll say 98 percent of the women that were like, oh, my God, that's beautiful. I would love to meet a man like that. Yeah. And then there was a two percent that said that's textbook narcissism. Watch that marriage fall. Yeah, well, you know, the, I, I think what I've learned um, in life, uh, Latiris, is that we oftentimes, when we are sitting on the couch and watching other people on the screen, sometimes we view through the lenses of our own trauma. Of course. And we hear through our own trauma. And so um, it was, for some, 
unrealistic for a man to authentically, genuinely love a woman like that. And so there has to be a red flag. There has to be a problem. Um, the way I loved her was not the problem. Uh, the way I showed up was not the problem. I think it was the unresolved trauma that ultimately was the problem. All right, let's take a step back then. When you keep, because you keep bringing up unresolved trauma, what is this unresolved trauma? Yeah, you know, so you asked me a question. You said, you know, what did I see in her? Um, but the greater question is, what did I see in myself? Right. And I think that the truth of the matter is, as men, if we haven't taken the time to deal with that unresolved trauma, whatever it is, whatever your trauma is, um, then what we t have a tendency to do is unconsciously hope that the person we're with will make up for the pain that they weren't responsible for causing. And I loved her so much, but what I discovered was I was expecting her to heal what she didn't break. What was broken, the core? You know, um, I'll just say, man, um, some of my greatest pains uh, came from the women in my life that when I was being raised. Um, and, you know, just for out of respect, because some are still alive, I'll just say, you know, I went through some very traumatic things as a kid. Um, you know, didn't really know who I was. I was I felt like um, that I was meant to be hurt. You know, I felt like women in my life, that the closer you got to me, you were going to hurt me because of my experiences as a child. And so, um, you know, I don't mind sharing, man. I was molested, you know, um, when I was younger uh, by male and female. Um, a very significant person in my life told me that um, they didn't want me. Um, you know, I remember being told, you know, just some very detrimental things as a child. You know, uh, I remember one of the things that, that happened... Um, you know, I was a talker, you know, when I was in kindergarten in first grade and my dad came home one night and uh, he was strung out on drugs. And, um, you know, I, I always I oftentimes say that he beat me for hours, but in retrospect, it just felt like hours, you know, because I was that young. And um, yeah, so he beat me to the point where, I, you know, I had blood in my little fruit of the loom's underwear. I'll never forget that. And, um, you know, when uh, my mother came home, I showed her my underwear, and um, I remember her looking at me saying, you probably deserved it. And so for me, what I did not understand at that time was, even at a young age, my respect uh, for women was diminished um, because what, you know, my older sister molested me, you know, God rest her soul. Um, so for me, um, what women represented was pain, uh, was not trusting them, and um, made me feel like I deserved to be hurt. And so um, my whole life, Latarius, I, I can be honest, nobody ever had my full heart. Mm. Uh, they didn't have access to it. No. Because I had metastasized my pain, and uh, the way I viewed women was really from more of an uh, objection right. you know, perspective. Kiana changed that. She changed the way I saw women. Really? Um, yeah, and it was scary. Let me let, let's stop there because you just you just uh, offloaded a lot of information. First of all, I like to say thank you uh, for your vulnerability. Um, I don't know what's going on in this season of the podcast, but it's been almost every guest have shared a story that had to deal with some level of molestation or or uh, sexual assault uh, in their life, um, and. You're the second man to come on this season that shared the same thing. And so I want to salute you because we don't get we don't hear enough about that um, in, in our culture It's like bury it, hide it, act like it never happened. Um, 
yeah. So again, thank you, man. I appreciate LT, but you know, I, I tell people, um, it, it's I have children, and anybody that has children, you know, sometimes you change diapers at two or three o'clock in the morning. And I remember changing my my daughter's diaper one time, and I I took the diaper and I threw it towards the trash can, and it I missed, and it rolled up under the bed. Well, I didn't know that it rolled up under the bed until two days later when I walked in the room and it had a stench. And I did not know where the stench was coming from. You're about to teach. And um, I looked and looked and looked, and I discovered that this diaper that was meant to go in the trash was still under my bed, and it was not only impacting my room, but the longer it sat there, it started to seep into the living room. And I think that's what unresolved trauma does is we we think we've gotten over it, but it really impacts every other area of our life. And one of the reasons I don't mind sharing that with other men is because sometimes it is stinking up your marriage. Sometimes it's stinking up your money. Sometimes it's stinking up your relationship with your children. It's stinking up your business decisions, your life decisions. And and I can be honest, man, and say everything that I did as a man was really impacted by the fact that um, I was molested. You never went to therapy before that? Therapy wasn't cool. Yep. You know, and I think what I did is uh, because I did not understand why you would do that to me. Um, I spent many years of my life trying to prove to myself and to the ones that hurt me that I was good enough. Yep. So I played sports. I made a lot of money. You know, I did all these things. And, and really everything that I acquired was really, really looking back at my past saying, I didn't deserve that. And I'm better than that. And look at me, I'm worth look something. Look at me now. Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, it was a journey, man. It's, it's it's been a journey. You keep saying that Kiana was the first person that you looked at. That um, did she ever get access to your heart? You said you never given anybody your heart. Did she get any? What what what, what if it if it was a percentage? What percentage did she get of you? When you said when you asked her to be your wife, what percentage did she have of you? Well, I think at the time I thought it was 100%, you know, because of that euphoric feeling that I had, that feeling of being around her and loving her and feeling safe around her. But in in retrospect, as I go through therapy and really go through the process, I realized that um, she had a damaged heart. And so even if she had 100% of my heart, it wasn't functioning properly because it was damaged. And um, how long? You got to let that sit there. Oh, Lord. Okay. Yeah, you you can you can take a damaged heart and put it in a brand new box, and it looks pretty. But when you open it, it's yet still damaged. Yeah. And um, I, I did not know it was damaged because the the reality, LT, is that we oftentimes normalize dysfunction. Yes. And for me, I learned how to function with a dif- dysfunctional heart. Yes. To make it look functional. Yes. Right. And so, and it's not until sometimes you get in a relationship with somebody that they can point out that you, that you are a functional dysfunction. Mm. And um, it, it is it is it's hard to admit, uh, and it's hard to reprogram and reverse engineer your life when you've been accustomed to doing things like this for so long. Yes. Yeah. And so Facts. It's, yeah, it's been a challenge.
at BET Weekend at Delilah's. It was June 26th. June 26th, that weekend, yeah. No, it was like June 19th. It was right before my birthday. It was right before, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. So we met at Delilah's, a really crowded weekend in LA for BET Weekend. And he saw me get out that car. Whatever. <laughs> I did see her get out the car. And uh, you know, the truth is, I, I knew then. The moment I seen her get out the car, I knew she was it. So. Here we are. All right, so um, I proposed to her on June 26, 2020, on my birthday. Uh, she planned me a surprise birthday, and uh, I surprised her by asking her to be my wife. So I was sweating, trying to make sure the birthday went perfect. And he's sweating on his own, trying to make sure his proposal went right. Thanks. So. <laughs> well, we came up with a date because we figured it would be a perfect date since it's a year exactly from when we had our first date. Yeah. So we thought that would be great. So what was interesting is we met in June of 2019. Mm -hmm. We went on our first date December of 2019. Um, I asked her to marry me in June of 2020, mm -hmm. and we'll be getting married in December of 2020. I'm very excited. <laughs> Nervous, excited. Nervous and excited. <laughs> Not about the money or the look, it's more so about the experience with her and the journey that we're getting ready to take together. So um, I appreciate that about her. And the truth is, because she's like that, it made me want to do more for her. Aww. I would love to welcome my family and friends to come out to our wedding 12-12-20 and watch me become the key to Corey. You wear me down. So you're in therapy now? Every week. How's that been working? Uh, it's really good, man. It is really, it, it made me understand more about myself and the way I move, the way I think, the way I've moved in my life. Uh, you know, you know, from the outside looking in, I was Mr. Successful. Yeah. You know, multiple businesses, college degrees. Making a ton of money. You know, doing very well for myself, a beautiful family. Um, but the reality is the driver of my life was a broken little boy. And uh, ha have you ever... You know, even for the, the men that are watching, you know, there's been times in life where you did something and you after you did it, you ask yourself, why did I do that? Yep. Oftentimes, therapy has taught me that was the broken little boy that was driving your life. Yep. And so all the money I spent seeking attention, you know, even even the people that thought that I was arrogant and narcissistic, it wasn't that. It was I was trying to prove. Yep to the ghost of my past that I was worthy. Yep. Um, when I say that I was uh, physically abused by my father, I remember time, and rest his soul, but I remember time my dad and my mother uh, separated and my dad put a gun to my head and put, played Russian roulette because I didn't know where my mother was at. So you must understand, for me, I didn't trust men or women. 
And he kept asking you where your mom at. You kept saying, I don't know. And he kept acting like he's going to blow your brains up. And not acting, Latarius. He actually put a bullet in, in, the, in the gun. It was spinning and pulling the trigger. And pulled the trigger. Yeah. How old are you? How old were you? I was seven years old. So when you, and, and that's why you have to be careful that you don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah, because you don't know what they've been because through. you don't know what they've been through. And so for me, I didn't trust men. You know, I didn't trust women. And the only person that I could trust before I knew God was myself. Yeah. So I had to build myself up. I had to tell myself that I could do it. I had to tell myself I was great because nobody else would. And oftentimes it is um, received as arrogancy, but really it is, it's fear. It's the fear of what if they're right? Yes. What if I'm not enough? Yes. What if I'm not good enough? Boy, this you know? is good. What if, what if what they said to me is true? Mm. And it's a constant battle uh, internally and mentally of trying to prove to yourself that you are good enough. And the moment somebody that you actually care about even alludes to you not being good enough, oh, you, 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 it sinks you oh, down. Yeah, you crumble. You, you crumble. Yeah. And so for me, my defense mechanism was to not care what anybody thought. There it is. Because if I cared and you confirmed what had been put in me for years. You're right. You, 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 that person becomes right. And yeah. it just reintroduces pain in your life. Absolutely, man. Um, y'all were engaged. When you met Kiana, how long were y'all engaged before you got married to her? So, you know, here's the interesting thing. You know, I, I tell people at Terrace that, uh, that Kiana and I got married too fast and almost gave up too soon. We, we literally, uh, from the day that we met, six months later, we went on the first date. Six months later, we were engaged. Six months later, we were married. And so from the day that we met to us getting married was actually one year. Uh, and, it, you know, it wasn't a lot of time. You know, we didn't spend a lot of time with each other. And y'all were long distance. And we were long distance. And it was a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so one of the things that, that if I could go back and do it again, uh, we didn't do marriage counseling. You know, and so I think that was in marriage counseling, you don't only find out your love language, but you also discover your conflict language. Yeah. You're talking about pre premarital counseling. Premarital counseling. Yeah. yeah. We didn't do premarital counseling at all. So uh and that was part of that that, you know, as the man, as the leader, that was part of my responsibility to slow down. But I was so in love that um I just pressed the gas, you know, and I think that that was um one of the things that I would change, I would have slowed down a little bit because I think if we, things would not have gone the way they went if we would have gotten to know each other a little bit more. So what made Kiana so special? I know you talked about her her vibrancy and all that stuff, but you met a lot of women. You dated a lot of women, beautiful women. What made her so unique for, for you to move that fast? You know, man. You talk about, hold on, we talking about a, a player. This woman got a player to put a <laughs> ring on it. We're going to call it what it is. Well, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, you no, know. No, no. What, what was so special about her? Because um, you could have just dated her. She wasn't, tr to my knowledge, she wasn't, like, making you or forcing you to uh, marry her, was she? She wasn't trying to say, what, what, so what we doing? We getting married or no? Nah? She wasn't doing that, was she? No, not at all. There was no pressure. As a matter of fact, I, I, think, it, I think it was more so me. Um, I had made a decision, Letters, that I no longer wanted to live that life. I made a decision before I ever met her, that I, I no longer, I couldn't explain why, but I just knew that life, I didn't want to live it anymore. And um, once I made that decision, you know, listen, I run multiple businesses, and this is part of the problem, I think, 
uh, in my personality is when I want something, I go after it. And whether it's a business deal, whether it's real estate, uh, whatever the case may be, I'm going after it. That's just my makeup, right? Yeah. And so uh, Kiana was no different. When I saw her, I knew I wanted her, and I went after her, you know. And um, I don't regret it. I just wished I would have used a little bit more wisdom uh, as it relates to um, the way we interacted with each other, you know, and really getting to know each other, not just for looks and not just the feeling of being in love, uh, I, I think your your um, one of your guests, Jeremy Flowers, yeah, was he? he there's a video that Jeremy has out that really changed my life, and I'm a paraphrase what he said, but it, it went something like this: that uh, you lay down with their body, but you live with the way that they think. You you lay down with their body, but who you actually live with is the way that they think. That's good. And I think that if we would have slowed down. Because the scripture says, how can two walk together unless they agree? Facts. Agreement is mental. Yeah. It's not just a heart thing. It's yeah. a mental thing. So how do we see life? And I think I was so in love that I didn't stop to figure out, how do you see life? Yeah. And does this align? Yeah. You know, and, and, and can we bring this into agreement and walk together and become one? And I think um, I would have slowed down uh, if I would have been the healthy person that I am now. Hmm. So I was privileged enough to shoot the proposal. I was privileged enough to shoot the engagement video. Uh, wasn't called upon to shoot the wedding because it was something that happened uh, really like last minute. Yeah. Um, and y'all didn't have a, y'all originally was going to have a big wedding that was going to take place in L.A. Uh, the pandemic had L.A. on lock and prices skyrocketing <laughs> just to pull the wedding off. And so y'all said, hey, listen, we're going to go ahead and get married with, in an intimate setting and have a reception later on. Um, and where did your wedding take place and who officiated this wedding? You know, man, I was privileged, man. I, I'm, I'm privileged to uh, have a great relationship with uh, Bishop Jakes. And so um, we were at the Potter's House in the chapel. Um, we had to call off the wedding. You know, we lost a lot of money. Yeah. Um, a lot of money. Glory <laughs> to God. We lost, woo, we lost a lot of money, man. Uh, my God, <laughs> anyway, we lost a lot of money. Um, and, but, um, you know, Bishop married us and, uh, it was such an honor and privilege, man, to have Bishop to lay his hands on us and, and to, uh, to marry us, man. And, and I'll forever be indebted to him, um, for, you know, stepping up and doing that for us, man. So what did that, what did that mean to you to have somebody of that spiritual authority lay hands and bless your marriage? You know, man, words can't explain. Uh, the impact that Bishop Jakes has had on my life is is immeasurable, right? Um, he has really taught me not only how to be a better man, but a better father, a better leader, a better businessman. And I, I don't take my relationship with him lightly, you know, and the fact that people will fly all over the country and pay him True. just to sit yeah. at his feet, you know, and the fact that I can pick up the phone and call him. Yeah and talk to him through anything yeah. is, is an honor. And, and it is a clear indicator for me that, that I believe in proximity, right? God doesn't put you in proximity of things that he does not have you in, intentions for you to connect to talk about or it. for you to do. And so oftentimes I tell people, if you find God putting you around great men, that means that greatness is in you, right? Yep. Um, and because uh, iron sharpens iron. Uh, you don't use wood to sharpen iron, right? You yeah. use iron to sharpen iron. And so the fact that uh, that he saw me and brought me up on his wings and uh, allowed me to be so close to him is a clear indicator, man, that I needed to be here today uh, to help other people, you know, and to be a blessing to other people. So, 
When you when you said I do to Kiana, probably a week or so later, I had a conversation with you. Do you remember that conversation? We had so many deep conversations, <laughs> man. It was a conversation that was talking about the mandate and the requirement that you have over your wife. I said that you guys can be utilized and used in ministry on a great level because there's there's always been a calling over your life. You've operated uh, in the role of a pastor before, um, and that ain't left. You know, just because yeah. you just no longer answer the phone no more don't mean the call ain't still coming. And so you've been called to that. Um, when Kiana has such a unique journey, and um, God can use her in ministry as well. And ministry doesn't have to look from, uh, you know, the office of a pulpit type ministry, but just the life that we live, we're walking epistles. But I said that you have the, you have the mandate, you have the authority to cultivate Kiana to become the woman of God that God called her to be. And I said, your next level comes from the cultivation of how you cultivate this wife. Yeah. I do remember that conversation. So let's walk through this marriage. So y'all said I do. Oh, Jesus. Here we said go. I do. Yeah, we, it's we, 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 it's about to get real. This beautiful couple had this beautiful episode. The three R's was exemplified. Uh, red bottoms, rosé, and what's the other R? Um, <coughs> roses. Roses, yes. All right. And you got the Bishop T.D. Jakes laying hands, anointing your marriage. People pay thousands of dollars, sit at his feet and learn. Yeah. You just got him from a phone call. He covers your marriage. You walk this thing out. Um, you blamed yourself for this marriage crumbling. Let's reverse engineer it. What happened on the onset? Did marriage reveal something to you that you weren't aware of? You've been married before, so did you see something in your marriage, see something in you that that started unraveling the marriage? What happened? Yeah, man, I, I think that um, the reality is, LT, is that my marriage revealed to me, number one, that uh, leadership, you know, as a, as a man, you're supposed to lead. Right. And leading sometimes means that you, especially as a man, means you have to put your emotions and your feelings in your back pocket and lead anyway. Yes. And um, it really revealed to me that I wasn't leading the way I needed to lead because I became overly emotional. And I could not understand why I was so emotional. Not emotional from the perspective of crying and, you know, all that stuff, but but emotions also uh, manifest as anger. And um, I was very angry. Um, also the reality is I was very, uh, unconsciously I was controlling and, you know, I discovered, you know, that I was controlling because I loved her so much that I was afraid to lose her. Mm -hmm. And I found myself unconsciously controlling, right? There's this, I, I play golf and there's this, this, this term in golf called gripping. And so anybody that plays golf know that you got to let the clubs just sit in your hand and your swing is what makes the ball go. But if you're not sure about the swing... If you're not sure about the shot, sometimes you grip, and gripping causes the shot to go off even even worse. Corey, you teach it. I told you that preacher, and you go ahead. And and so uh, I found myself gripping in my marriage. You know, I had this expectation of what it was supposed to be, right? Um, and and wow, man, you know, I talked to my therapist about this the other day. Uh, for me, um, love was anything you say, anything you ask for. I'm going to say yes. Right. It wasn't anything my wife could ask for. I wouldn't say yes to. 
But the problem is it looks good on the onset, but the root of it was still a dysfunction in my in my heart because I had been told no so much as a child that I overcorrected and now everything was a yes. Now that doesn't sound like a problem except for the fact that if you told me no, I had a problem with it. <laughs> so anytime she had a boundary, it was problematic for me because it was nothing that you could ask me for that I wouldn't do. Mm. And that wasn't fair to her. And so I was, you know, realistically, man, my, my leadership wasn't where it needed to be. Um, I said yes to everything, even when I should have said no to some things. Um, I think I was unconsciously controlling um, because of the fear of losing her. When you say unconsciously controlling, that's a, that's a great, uh, that's, that's just a great self-awareness. Uh, did, you, did you come up with that? Did your therapist tell you that? No, you know, the reality is, you know, my wife would tell me I was controlling and, and I would be like, what? You know, because I'm LT, you know yeah, me. Yeah, I'm cool as the other side of the <laughs> pillow, man. I ain't got no smoke. Go have a good time, whatever. But I think what would happen is, um, you know, for example, you know, she's from L.A. And so, um, you know, if she would go to L.A. more than two or three days, you know, like I missed my wife. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I think what would happen is. I would sometimes unconsciously have an attitude or be a little bit more aggressive about her returning or whatever the case may be. And it wasn't until she kept telling me that. And oftentimes when a person tells you something, right, my first line of defense is to be defensive. I'm like, I'm not controlling. Like, ain't nobody ever called me controlling. I'm, I'm cool. Like, what are you talking about? Well, 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 give reference to why she would go to L.A. It's like she's just going on trips to L.A. Well, yeah, you know, that, and that, that you know, it was, it was tough, man. So her son was still in, uh, in L.A. And so, right. you know, we got married. Um, you know, everything was wonderful, man. And then, you know, respectfully, you know, um, her, her son's father is a great father. He's an amazing father. And I understood it, right? I understood why he wanted his son to stay in California. Right. But it now puts us in a, a crosshair. Yeah. Because now she has moved to Dallas and her son is living in LA. Yeah. And so that's got to be hard. And here's yeah. the reality I could not understand it because I was being selfish. Yeah. I wanted her here with me, but I wasn't patient enough and, and compassionate enough to understand that her only child is now in another state. Yeah, for the first time ever. For the first time ever. She's never been without him. And so that also uh, put a strain on the relationship um, because, you know, respectfully, I wanted her to go, you know. and uh, But I think selfishly, I just wanted her and her son to be here. Yeah. But the conflict for me is that I'm a father as well. So I understood it, but I don't think my understanding always came out in my actions or in my expression, you know. And so... Uh, that was a challenge. I mean, it's a challenge for anybody. So, you know, if because me, if I was married, you know, I'm going to want my wife around me, too. If I travel, I want her to be with me, you know, and I don't believe it's healthy for couples to spend extended amount of time away from each other. Now, some people, you know, uh, God bless them. They have people that's in the military where they have to spend extended amount of time away from each other. And and God forbid that you have a loved one that's in uh, in prison or whatnot. And that's yeah. even more extended. But but when you have people that have jobs that work, you know, they have to travel and they're gone for a week or you dating somebody that's in the entertainment industry and they're traveling to There's always anybody that talks about relationships or in their marriage where their other spouse is away from home a lot. It's always going to be a challenge. Um, and it and it also starts breeding 
oftentimes a lack of trust, especially when you're talking about a situation where uh, my wife is now going to go see her son. And where is his son? Well, with the dad and the, the, the dad, we clearly, if they have a son together, then clearly they don't have sex together. So all those insecurities start coming all up. You like, hold on, what's up? Y'all spending time together. All that's going to come up. That's just, all of that. All of it. And so those, but that open communication and having healthy boundaries and having a great relationship uh, with the, with the, the child's father, whatnot, can create a safe space and a, and a space of trust and honesty where it's like, you know, and I don't know how many dudes will do that because dudes, let me ask you this. Do you think, did you trust your wife around him? Uh, Yeah, I, I don't think it was a lack of trust. I don't think, I don't think I didn't trust her. That's what I said. You don't trust him. I, I you know, I, I, don't, I was about to say most dudes ain't gonna do it. I was like, no, actually they would. Most dudes would be like, you the one, hey, we, hey, you know, baby daddy get first right of refusal. So at yeah. the end of the day, it's that type of stuff where they try to test it. And um, but it, 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 let me say this, LT, and I think, man, that's why you know you remember when uh, me and Key got married. Our hashtag was the key to Corey. Yes. And when I say that woman has been the key to Corey. In many ways, it was the first time that I actually dated a woman with a child that had a father involved. Oh, wow. So it was, this was the new. new. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm used to being the HNIC, you know, and, you know, and so, you know, and he is a, like I said, he's a very involved dad. And so, and she's a beautiful woman. Yeah. And, you know, I'm like, hey, you know, what what's, what's good over here? You feel me? Like I'm here and you there and like, you know, and so, um, but you know, you know, it, 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 that, that also really revealed an insecurity in me. Yeah. It revealed an insecurity in me, you know, that, you know, I'm used to controlling everything, you know, and controlling my emotions. But, you know, when they have a, a, a good relationship, they're good friends and they're good co-parents. And uh, it, it, it made me normalize, right? Because I think sometimes what we normalize is dysfunction, right? We want our significant other to have a fractured relationship <laughs> yeah. with their son's mom or father or the yeah. ex. And the reality is everybody doesn't have to have dysfunction <laughs> to function, right? Sometimes it can be functional, right? And, and again, that functional was dysfunctional to me, you know? I'm like, y'all supposed to hate each other. What's the, what, what is going on? Why y'all really laughing together? Why y'all? Yeah, hey, look, man, I didn't like that. At Why y'all doing you know? the kids' programs together? You know, you showing up and, hey, look, man, and I'm out, hey, it's a problem, you know, but... But uh, you know we worked through it, man. And like I said, man, big shout out to him, a great father, man. And uh, but it was a challenge for me, for real. It was. When you look at your marriage, what would, what would be the one thing? I know you talk about leadership. Is there anything else that would? This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, what would you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Would you take up a new hobby, catch up on some sleep, complete reading the book you've never had time to finish, but always promised that you would? Did you know the best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is by knowing what's important to you and making it a priority? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I couldn't have become the person I am today without therapy, to be honest with you. My vulnerability and transparency were cultivated in therapy and it served as a foundation in which the beloved Dear Future Wifey podcast was built. Now, as you know, relationships of all kinds are important to me. Therapy helps with learning positive coping skills, managing expectations of myself and others, and most importantly, establishing healthy boundaries. 
Ooh, boy, life is stressful, ain't it? Now, therapy is a safe space to recalibrate and recenter. Now, can I be transparent with you? Since the inception of this podcast, I've always wanted to do this right here for better help. Why? Because so many of you reach out to me seeking referrals for therapy services after each episode. My heart has been overwhelmed by the outpouring of you desiring help to show up better in life. And guess what? I believe the world is a better place with better help. It's entirely online, too. Designed to fit your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Wifey today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Wifey. That started to fracture your marriage Trust. on a great level. Trust. Trust. You know, one of the things I, I, I've said, man, for, for years now is that you cannot outlove somebody's trauma. You just can't. You know, you can try, but you can't. It, and and here's here's a better way to say it. You can't un, you can't outlove somebody's unrecognized trauma. That's even worse, yeah. So if they don't recognize that they have a trauma that is impacting their everyday, then you can't outlove that. And see, many people watching now think that I'm talking about my wife, but I'm really talking about, about me. You. Yeah. Right. So I had a trauma that. Um, was rooted in my experience as a child. So the moment that I felt like rejected or abandoned, then I would get you first. And so the reality is, as much as I loved her, when we started going through um, the mechanics of marriage, right? Because marriage is not just about that euphoric feeling. It's really about making the decision to be committed daily, to communicate daily, to be honest daily, to choose that person daily. And when there's a breakdown in communication, that breakdown in communication gives an enemy an opportunity to rise up a trigger. And so for me, when I felt like I wasn't first, right? When I felt like I wasn't respected, when I felt like um, the love wasn't reciprocated, when I felt like I wasn't honored, then now the old me that you talked about uh, starts to come back up. And so the the residue, the the pimping residue yeah. um, was there, and not because I wanted to, but because that's what was normal That's for how me. you self-medicate. Absolutely. It's like, it's like what we practice in our singleness was just going to manifest in our marriage. Yeah. Um, and so, um, which is a perfect segue, did you ever step outside your marriage? I did. How was that? What 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 brought that out, and to what degree was it? You know, man, I think that, uh, like I said, you know, it was it was the prelude. The prelude is what I just said a few minutes ago. You know, I think that I was so one of the things that I'm learning in my life through therapy is that um, and, you know, Bishop has told me this many times. I'm either all in or all out. There's really no in between with me. Right. And that's a dysfunction in itself. Right. Trying to learn balance. Yes. And so for me, when I go all in and I don't think you're all in then I started to move all the way out, you know, and, and, you know, one of the things that I used to pride myself on when I was single, which is dysfunctional, I used to say that I would fire you and let you keep working. (laughs) And, and he said, fire you and let you keep working. yeah, Yeah. But, but, but that was a trauma response. Yeah. Right. It was, you can hurt me. And so now I'm going to take the power away from you and you don't even know you don't have any power anymore. Mm. And so when I don't feel affirmed, 
Now I'm going to go find somebody else to make me feel better. And it just started to be a breakdown in communication between my wife and I. And when the communication broke down, where I talk about leadership is because as a leader, I should have been more committed to my covenant and my commitment. But I started to anesthetize my pain. Mm. And it started by just simply having conversations on on different apps or, you know, and people affirming you and making me feel like, you know, that I deserve to, to be this better or this better. And it's just one thing led to another. And I found myself in a position uh, of compromise. And uh, I made a decision that that I that I et- will eternally regret making that decision um, because it started a snowball effect in my relationship. It became very public. Um, and you talked to. Kiana before doing this interview and what did she say you talked to her she gave yeah. you permission she yeah says, you know um you know one thing about me man is 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 I'm always going to cover my wife right that is my responsibility and before I said anything I wanted to make sure that that you know she was okay with it that she felt comfortable with it and if she wasn't comfortable I wouldn't say it right and so um you know, she has given me the green light to, to share certain things um, because, you know, she believes that our story may help other people as well. That's one thing I respect. That's why I, that's why I keep telling you, see, ministry looks different. It doesn't mean that she got to get up there and preach just to, to to trust you enough to go go share the story. Yeah, it's that's what ministry looks like. Yeah. And, and, and it's so unfortunate because. And I'm telling you, watch your DMs blow up. Watch your DMs blow up by so many people saying, me and my wife going through the same thing. We going through the same Wow, when you said this, this right here. And you're going to see an outpouring, thank you, Holy Spirit, of people sharing with you the fact that you, see, God can't heal which, what we won't reveal. And so the fact that you are revealing it is giving a black eye to the devil and letting the devil know, no, you didn't win and you ain't right about me, that now I've gotten the power to tread and trample over serpents. And that's why the Bible says that we will be overcome by the word of our testimony, by the blood of the lamb. That's right. And so that's what's so beautiful about this whole thing. So I'm glad that she's giving you the green light to just talk and share so people can get set free, so you can get set free, so y'all can get set free. And y'all had a very volatile time in y'all's marriage, which we'll talk about uh, uh, a little later. So you were, so you were on Clubhouse. You were um, on these social media sites. You're doing all your stuff. You dropping these gems. Women coming to you. Wow, so amazing, King. You so amazing, King. That was yeah, dope, man. Dope, all dope, of dope. that. Dope. Next thing you know, you go from these words of affirmation because that's your love language. Is yeah. words of affirmation. Now they're affirming you, and now you in this compromised position. And 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 when I talk about leadership, I got a good friend of mine named Dr. Renee Greer. She's in Dallas. She's a therapist. And um, she has this slogan, and, I, and I, I can't say it the way she says it, but it's basically own your S-H-I-T, yeah. right? And I didn't own it. I needed to be affirmed, and I was looking for my wife to fix what she didn't break. And when she couldn't fix it, I got angry. And I, I wanted somebody, somebody tell me that I'm good enough. And here's the thing. You you probably couldn't tell by the success that I've had of course. that I still was broken, you know, and I just needed somebody to tell me I was good. And the danger that the danger in in not doing that personal development is, you know, the devil knows exactly what you're looking for, yeah. what you need. And so here it is where my mouth is saying that I love this woman with all of my heart, but the trauma and the brokenness in me has caused my actions to say something completely different. Yes. And I find myself uh, entertaining a situation that uh, if I had not been uh, inebriated by my pain, I would have never even entertained. And so it became public on social media. 
And I'm going to let you tell this story because you brought this up and I wasn't even planning on talking about this. You said, no, I want you to talk about the the, the situation with the domestic violence stuff. And I was like, what? You want to talk about it? He said, talk about it all. I said, oh, okay. So talk about it, Corey. Yeah, well, you know, one of the reasons I want to talk about it is because it became extremely public. Right. You know, and, um, you know, that was one of the most painful seasons of my life, brother. Um, one of the most darkest times of my life because I learned this about people, that they don't need the truth. They just need a trending topic. Mm. And I had so many people that I thought knew me that um, they really crucified me, you know. And, and at one point, man, I had become the Christian poster child for domestic violence. And the truth is, that's not what happened. You know, um, you know, my wife and I did get into a very heated argument. And, um, you know, you know, she found out some information. And, um, you know, my smart mouth um, made the situation exacerbated a little bit more than, than you know, and I do. So we found out some situations, found out you was cheating on her. Yeah, she found out that I, that I stepped out. Okay. Yeah. She found out that I stepped out, and um, she found out some information. What, what's the information? What does that mean? Well, you know, got, yeah, you know she just yeah. got mad. She found some information. She found out that you didn't pay your taxes that year. She found out, no, yeah, she found well, out you were cheating on her. You know, it's it's still very <laughs> it's still very embarrassing to talk about. Why? But, uh, Which part is the most embarrassing? The fact that you cheated because you just said that earlier. No, or the fact that what part? The fact that I, I loved her so much that I couldn't believe that I was doing what I was doing. Not that not. The public, I was embarrassed because I genuinely loved that woman, and why the hell did I do that? And you would talk about her so much about I love she this she this I love her, I love her love her, and then I would I would say show her that you love her. But I've never been a person that brings trauma in her life. I'm trying not to cry right now. But I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know how to do that because I had so much trauma in my life that trauma is all I knew. What was normal for me was trauma. The excitement about Kiana was this was the first time that I loved somebody authentically, but I said it earlier, you can't outlove somebody's trauma. And I'm talking about mine. Yeah. Because I know she loved me. Mm-hmm. But I had so much going on, man, that that it was unfair to her. You know, it was really unfair to her in so many ways. Um and I heard her. And so she took a picture on the back of an ambulance and said that my husband had um, choked me. What happened that night? Well, it was during the daytime, and uh, I was at work, and, you know, she was, uh, you know, spazzing out, <laughs> you know, which she had every right to, you know. And uh, But the truth is, you know, and she wouldn't mind me saying this, but my wife is from South Central L.A., all right? <laughs> You're trying to say she's from the hood? Okay, I'm just saying. <laughs> she's from South Central L.A., and... Um, L.A. has a baseball team, the Los Angeles Dodgers. And I'll just say I discovered that day that my wife could be a pitcher for the Dodgers. <laughs> Speaking of Dodgers, I had to dodge, you know. Artifacts uh, that were thrown in your direction. <laughs> the, the facts and, and the picture frame <laughs> that was thrown in my direction. And, um, you know, at that time, you know, and I, I won't make any excuses for my actions, but at that time, you know, a glass was broken by my head. Uh, I was triggered. Um, because it reminded me of abuse from your father. Not only that, man, but when I was 16 and, you know, folks were shooting in the car and the window, the glass was breaking. So when I heard that glass break, something happened. And then when I looked up and I saw her face and, and, you know, I felt like she was charging at me, I did grab her, but I didn't grab her to hurt her. It was more so get off of me, you know, and I think she was afraid. You know, I'm not a little dude. Um, And it just, 
went from there, you know, and, you know, what was said on social media, what was presented is not what happened. What happened is exactly what I said. You know, I walked in the house and, you know, South Central LA was was out in full effect. You know, I call it Kilo. You know, yeah, I call it Kilo. Kilo was on one, you know, and um, arrogant Corey showed up and I exacerbated the situation. But the reality is, man, I would never hurt her, you know, and um, but I took I took the heat because at the end of the day, I should have just grabbed her and, and hugged her, you know, or I should just walked away. But I did grab her, you know, and but it wasn't the way people thought it was. You know, it just wasn't like that, you know, and um, that was hard for me, man. So when you when you cheated on her, was it for sex or was it for attention? Was it for validation? Is it that do you think you have a sexual addiction? Do you think what what in your unpacking of therapy? What have you discovered? I discovered, man, that that being molested um, at a young age will manifest in your adult age in many ways. Um. And so, yeah, I think it, it think it had a lot to do with my actions. Um, the the consistent, constant need to be affirmed, the constant need to conquer. Um, yeah, it, it's just a lot of things, man, that I had to deal with um, that that I brought to the marriage, you know. And again, like I said, LT, you know, me cheating had nothing to do with my wife. And I tell people all the time, like when your spouse steps out on you, it is not an indictment on your worth or your value. Oftentimes, it has nothing to do with you. Um, it had everything to do with me. Um, and so, um, and that's why it's kind of hard for me to talk about, but I want to help other men, right? Because it, it's, it's a duality to it, LT. It's because I think some women internalize being cheated on like they're, yeah. not, they're not valuable or they're not worthy. And it's just, that's totally not the truth. Oftentimes, it is the man that has been broken. And what I've discovered, you know, as I'm preparing to, you know, write another book about this journey is that um, oftentimes for a man, his first major pain comes at the hand of a woman. And for a woman, her first major pain comes at the hand of a man. Facts. And that's why you you constantly see this battling between each other. But really what the battling is, it is it is the hope that somebody can redeem what the other person did. And um I was broken, bro. Corey, you know what I want to talk about. I know, man. And listen, man, you you know, we 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 here. We so here. We might as well go and have a so, conversation about so it. So a lot of times people um they introduce certain things into their marriage. Yeah. A lot of times uh I've met women who said that listen, I don't believe that a man can be faithful. So um and um so I don't see a problem with us sharing women and doing threesomes and that type of stuff together. Um, the culture has shifted and changed a lot. Um, I have my views about that because I believe that once you start introducing certain things into your marriage, then mm. it's, it, I've never seen. And I mean, they're out there. It's probably somebody going to challenge me and say, well, me and my me and my wife, we do threesomes and we're polyamorous. We do all these things and we're we have these boundaries and we're faithful. You know, the ones that I've met, friends that I've known, they may start off that way. But then somebody in the in that relationship break some boundary and step outside and do something they didn't agree upon. Yeah. Did you and your wife engage in threesomes? Well, I think we, we, we tap danced around it. You know, we tap danced around it, man. We were, and, and this is why I talk about leadership, right? Cause in, I knew you was going here, right? I knew y'all. So put your seatbelts on. Cause I knew he was getting ready to go here. Right. We got to talk. 
All right. So um, I'll just tell you, man, you know, I, I think going back to the very beginning of, of this podcast, you know, I was used to having, you know, a lot of options. Right. Right. And so um, I'll never forget, man, we were in Vegas one time and a young lady walked up to us and um, it was just the strangest thing. And she was just like, hey, I want you and your wife. And I, you know, kind of look, I was like, what? <laughs> wait, wait a minute, you know. And um, when I looked at Kiana and it wasn't a definite no, that opened up a whole nother portal in me. You know, and, um, you know, before I go on with that, I think when I talk about leadership, I think she was looking for me to stand up and block that. And instead of me blocking that, I exacerbated it and I tried to exploit it. And um, that's where the leadership part comes in. And so, good. you know, um, and then, you know, LT, me, you, you know, you ask whatever question, you know, I'm going to keep it a buck with you, yeah. man. But, you know, we, we, we tap dance around it, man. And I think... I think the reality is... Explain what you're saying, tap dance. You didn't tap dance around nothing. You didn't tap dance. Well... We're going to call it a spade a spade. Uh, tap dance is, are we close to it? We ain't going to really do it. We're going to flirt around with it. Y'all are fully engaged in threesomes. Well, yes, 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 yes. yes, yes that's y- the answer. Y- yes. That it, is the answer. Okay, all right. That's we, it. It's we, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it, there's some nuances to it, right? There's some nuances to it. And I, I won't go into all of the details. Right. I'll just say... I'll just say it was more me pushing the agenda right. than it was anything else. You know, and like I said, you know, and I told you this, that I'm going to take responsibility for yeah. my part. You know, you said you, leadership, which, you, is a, which is extremely important. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, man, um, you know, it was just a portal that was opened up in me that that I never had before. You know, it, true story, brother. Uh, you know, in 43 years, that is not something that was a necessity to me. What a threesome! A three that, that that lifestyle wasn't a necessity for me. It wasn't something that I had to happen. And I was not, which is funny because I didn't have to have a threesome, but I did have a whole <laughs> yeah. lot of yeah. Well, you know, praise the Lord. <laughs> you know, we go. Right. So you tell me, before you got married, you never had a threesome? I didn't say never had. <laughs> you said, you said, let's be very clear. All you right? said it was something you ne- you didn't have to have. Is what I didn't say. I didn't, I said I didn't have to have. It. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I wanted the folks to be understanding, right? Because I. I didn't have, it wasn't something that was a must, right? <laughs> um, I'll put it like this. Here's a better way to say it. Oh, God. I had never engaged in that type of uh, action with my woman. I knew he was about to say that, yeah. yeah. You know, with, with, with well, Shelly from people, around the way, yeah, it's, it's up, yeah. you know, but but with my woman, it's something that was, an, it was a, you know, something that was a no. Why? Watch this. I want people to hear this. Why? Why would you do that with your woman? Why wouldn't I? Yes. Why wouldn't you want to engage in stuff like that with your woman? I mean, because, you you know, every man, you know, wants a woman that has a higher moral compass than him. That's all I want you to hear. Right you don't, there. you don't. I need to, because I'm telling you that right there is powerful. Yeah. You know, when you, you're, as a man, and I know some women will be yeah, triggered when I say I, this. They will. But as a man, your greatest possession is your woman. Yes. You don't want nobody else touching your woman. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, hey, you know. <laughs> You know, not not shorty from around the way, man. You can you can flip it, dip it, rub it down, do whatever you want to, because there's not that emotional connection, right? You know, but when there's emotional connection there, it's like, yo, I'm not, you know, no, I'm good, <laughs> you know, no, we ain't doing that, you know. But I found myself, um, I found myself saying yes to what I would have always said no to, and uh, 
it was it was one of the most detrimental yeses that I've ever uh, made in my life. How? Because not only am I now uh, have violated my covenant with my wife, but now I'm making her feel like she's not enough. Thank you, Corey. You know, now um Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That is the most powerful statement that you could ever say. And this is what we're talking about. We're talking about how at the very beginning, you were always fighting to feel like you were enough, to feel like you were validated. And now you take the trauma from your childhood. Now you project that on your wife by opening up yourself sexually in a way that you normally would say no to. You're saying yes to it under the covenant of marriage. You wouldn't even do that while you were dating a girl. But now you do that while you're married to somebody. And then you're saying that what you've learned from that experience Experience that you, hey, you're not enough. I need two women, yeah, to give me what I need right now. Yeah, and 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 that's why I said what I said in the beginning. That as a man, have you ever done something and then ask yourself the question, why in the hell did I do that? Because I found myself objectifying my wife, objectifying her past, objectifying her weakness, objectifying her fears. You know, as a husband, my responsibility is to cover the areas where you've been broken. But I found myself breaking it even more. And um, that's why it was so painful for me. Because I felt like God gave me a beautiful jewel to protect, to build up, to love, to cover. And uh, I exploited it. And um, I'm embarrassed. Um, I'm hurt. You know, I mean, since we out here, you know, I found myself... I found myself, um, that one experience was a gateway to a deeper issue. Uh, because then I found myself, you know, addicted to porn. And my wife didn't even know I was addicted to porn. And now I'm even more frustrated sexually because she won't do what I've seen other people do on TV. And that's not fair to her. You know, and so now I am not only making her feel like she's not enough, but I'm, com I'm comparing her to a demonic image that is not godly. And I am the man of God. I am the priest and the protector of my home. And so I was all the way out of position, man, doing stuff that I would have never done, accepting things that I would have never accepted, going places mentally and spiritually, emotionally that I never would have gone. And, um, it hurts me to even talk about it because when we finally did discuss it and she told me how she felt, it crushed me because I was so consumed with chasing after this thing I was chasing, you know, and I, and I mentioned it, you know, on my TikTok one time and I, I didn't tell people what I got addicted to, but that was an addiction. And I found myself um, addicted to the point where I was pushing my wife away. Mm. And everywhere we went, I mean, we out here now. Everywhere we went, I was looking for the next fix and the next high. And it got to the point where she didn't feel safe being mm. going on dates with me. She didn't feel safe traveling with me because although I loved her, it was something deeper in me that was craving after this, this, this sexual perversion. And um, it pushed her away. It pushed her to the point where she said she can no longer take it. And I understand it. I didn't understand it then, 
But as I took some time to myself and, and got to know Corey and where all this came from, I, I think she made the best decision at that time because um, I wasn't right. And at this time, how long were y'all married? We had been married maybe eight months, you know. So while we were supposed to be swinging from the chandeliers and getting to know each other, um, I found myself um, not covering her, but really uncovering her. Mm. Yeah. Corey, let me tell you something. Again, I want to thank you so much because I'm telling you, I see it in the spirit realm right now. So many conversations are taking place in people's homes where the, the those tough conversations are about to be had watching this episode. Those tough conversations with spouses as they begin to unravel people that are doing this in their marriage, people who have been wanting to engage in this and been coercing their wives to do it, or even the wives coercing their husbands. Because I've, I've, I see a lot of stuff in my DMs. It's women that say, I wish my husband knew that I really would love to do that. I'm like, what, what's going on? It's, it's everywhere. Yeah. But to understand when you start going into those demonic spaces it will open up Pandora's box, the stuff that you are not prepared for spiritually. You're not prepared for it. You may think that you have all the logic in the world. You may think that you have all this, this, this self-control and, well, if we do this and we can do this and we ain't going to do it all the time. We're going to do it like once, you know, maybe on our anniversary, we're going to do this. You think the devil going to be like, oh, okay, you can come play with me whenever you feel like it. And then I'll go back and I, no, it's going to open up a sensational appetite that you don't know how these doors are going to be unlocked. Um, and, and, and you don't have the skills set by yourself to close them once they're open. Teach King. It, it was, it, we got to be careful um, when we open those doors, because when you open the door, you can't control what comes in. Teach. And then so much may come in that you don't have the ability by yourself to close the door <laughs> until it's too late. Mm -mm -mm. And, and sometimes when you when you tap dance with the devil, you pay a price that you can't afford. And so she says she wanted out. Did she file for divorce? Has she filed for divorce? Where is, where is what is the state of your marriage? Well, you know, right now, man, we have been uh, we've been separated, you know, for uh, about seven months now. Um, so y'all been separated for as long, almost as long as y'all been married. Yeah, 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 we have, you know. And I think what what I've learned in this season of separation uh, has been, it's just been invaluable, man. Uh, what I've learned about myself, what I've learned about her, um, the mistakes that I made, where we went wrong. Um, you know, of course, man, you know, you said at the beginning, uh, you know, not to absolve her of her wrongdoings, but, you know, at some point she'll come on, you know, and, and, and discuss that. But I think as a man, it's my responsibility uh, not to point the finger at her, but to point the fingers at me and say, this is where I went wrong. Right. This is where I could have done and better. I this have is where so much respect for you for taking this approach. So much respect. Because as men, we are the leaders of our household. I mean, when that marriage starts looking all crazy, we got to check... God gonna say, Adam, where are you? That's right. Where are you, Adam? Where are you? And so when you, when we first started talking about coming on, I forgot what language you were speaking, but I was like, nah, he ain't ready. No. I was angry. I was hurt. You know, if I'm honest, man. Um, oh wow. <laughs> Is a tissue over there? Um, man. Yeah. When she packed up and left, it was one of the darkest days of my life. Um. 
yeah, it was it was tough, bro, because um, I loved her, you know, and 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 sitting in that house by yourself, mm. not smelling uh, the rosemary on the potatoes, not hearing the music, not hearing the children, and you in isolation, it makes you reflect, and um, that's why David said it was good that I was afflicted, yeah, that I may learn. That number one, Corey, there's an anointing on your life, and you can't play with the devil because he coming at you hard. Very right. Very the one so. thing that I wanted to be was a husband, and as soon as I became a husband, now portals are being opened up and opportunities that I never had to deal with before. And the day she walked out of my life, man, um, besides the day I buried my daughter, was the most painful day I've ever experienced in my life, and um, I just had to reflect. You know, I just had to really look back and say, man, uh, this pain, here's what's crazy. I was sitting at the Potter's house. Bishop Carolyn Showell preached a message the day before my wife said she was leaving. Mm. The title of the message was, Don't Waste the Crisis. Mm. Don't Waste the Crisis. <sighs> and um, I made a decision when she left not to waste the crisis. Not to do what I normally would do. Normally, I would go in and anesthetize my pain somewhere else. Normally, I would point the finger. You heard it. Normally, I'd be angry, and it's everybody's fault but mine because I don't deserve this because I loved her. Right. But outside of me loving her, I hurt her. I lied to her. I manipulated. I controlled. I, and all of those things, and I had to deal with those areas of my life, man. And so it's made me have the courage to come on and tell the story. Um, because there's been some women that have been broken by broken men and, and they've internalized what that man did to maybe be an indictment on their worth. And it's not fair men. We have to stop, go to therapy and be honest with ourselves. There are some things in our past that is impacting our present day decisions. Yes. And for me, uh, it took my wife leaving me. For me to stop and for me to think and for me to say, man, I got to do better. Do you want her back? Uh, with every fiber in my, in my body, man. You know, I love, uh, I love my wife. What are, you doing to, what are you doing to win her heart back? Um, at this point, I'm just trusting God, man. You know, I think I'm a talker for a living. Um, I could convince anybody of anything. But actions are more important. There it is. And so uh, I don't put pressure on her. Um, I do what I say when I say I'm going to do it. Um, I love her unconditionally. I give her the liberty to be who and what she wants to be. Um, because the reality is I don't get to control whether she wants to come back because I cause pain. Um, Hold on, stop. There's a lady shouting right now. You just heard that. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm seeing so much stuff in the spirit realm. Somebody just was just like, thank you, because her spouse, her boyfriend, her fiance is is saying, well, you need to do this. I said, I'm sorry. I said, why don't you just get over it? Yeah. But when you just said that, you gave her reference to the sound of what remorse truly sounds like. Yeah. When you hurt somebody, you don't get to speed up their healing process. Right. And so for me, um, I let her heal at, at the pace that she wants to heal. And um, that's just it, you know. And and 
the reality, Lateras, is um, I have gotten to the place where I'm going to be okay either way. Because number one, if she comes back, thank God. If she doesn't, then I love her enough to know that she deserves to be loved properly. There it is. And it was a lesson for me that I don't do this again, that I don't duplicate this experience. Yes. I had to learn from yes. this. It had to happen. It I had, had to, to experience happen. this pain. And um, I've always been a hard-headed kid. And sometimes I have to go through pain to learn. And so... Um, and see, and that's what my, that's what my, my, my first marriage... Um, first marriage, only been married one time, but that's what that was for me. It said, I'm a learn, I learned from that. I made the decision to walk away from that marriage, but I said, I'd be dang if I do this again. So I'm gonna do everything I can to learn these lessons so that I could be a better man when I show up in that next marriage. That's the reason why this conversation is so important to me. These, per- these conversations and episodes are my personal life. This is, yeah. the, you, you've been etched into the quilt to my, my love journey. And so, um, to hear you talk like this, to hear you be in this place of self-awareness, to hear you share stuff that uh, never shared publicly, lets me know that you're at this place in your life where God can truly use you. Yeah. All the other stuff is smoke and mirrors. This is where ministry begins. Ministry is always birthed out of brokenness, yeah. period. Yeah, man. You know, when I was, when I was in my darkest moment, man, uh, God said that, um, I had to break you to bless you. Facts. Um, and um, I didn't see it coming, you know. Um, but it has been, honestly, uh, LT, one of the greatest seasons of growth, self-awareness. Maturation. Uh, m- maturity. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm no longer a victim, you know, but I take responsibility for my actions. And like I said, you know, listen, the world knows, man, I love my wife love with all my heart and I will always love her. Um, but I do understand that, that some things are hard for people to come back from. Yeah. And you know, you pray for grace and mercy, but if not, then you learn from it. Facts. You know, there's a lesson in every loss. Facts. Um, and so, and every failure does not have to be fatal. Every failure does not have to be fatal. And it's not fatal just because it didn't end the way you wanted it to end. Um, because where oftentimes we try to put a period, God is maybe just putting a comma and saying, you had to learn this before I take you here. And so that's just the place I'm in now, man. I, I love her with all of my heart, but I love her enough to know that um, God is in control and not me. You are in, a, in an anointed space right now. I want you to look at that camera and I want you to talk to the men on whatever God allows you or is bringing to your, your, your mind to speak to the kings. Yeah, brothers, I'll just say this. My father, before he passed away, there's a video that I had an opportunity to go and do a documentary with him, and he said, man, when you get a good woman, make sure you keep her, you take care of her. And and that is opposite of what the world teaches, right? And it's interesting that my dad taught me that on his deathbed, but when he was young and vibrant, he taught me that women come a dime a dozen, mm-hmm. uh, and a woman is like a bus stop. If you miss one, stay there. Do you see the interesting dichotomy here? Mm. When he was living, he didn't value women. But when he was dying, he said, if you get a good one, Mm. make sure you keep her. I want the brothers to understand that my prayer for you is that you don't have to get to a place of death before you value what you had in life. A good woman, the scripture says, causes you to obtain favor. Mm. You make more money. 
Life is just different when you have a good woman. But here's the reality. Oftentimes we can't keep the good woman that we attract if we haven't become the good man that we need to be to maintain that relationship. Teach. What does being a good man mean? It means that you deal with your trauma. You own your stuff. You stop blaming them. You take accountability. You stop making excuses and you stand up. And you got to take whatever comes along with it. But that's your responsibility as a man. And if you pursue after your purpose, your vision, your dreams, and whatever God has called for you, that woman will come alongside of you. And if you do the right thing, the right results will happen. Mm, 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 mm. Corey, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for blessing the world. You have no idea of the spiritual impact that you just made today. You have no idea. You have no idea. And when I say I'm thankful, I'm, I'm humbled that God would use this platform to cause a ripple effect for what you just did today. You have no idea. You have no idea. No, I appreciate it, man. I, I appreciate, you know, and I'll say this openly, man. I appreciate you, um, you know, being a, almost like a co-pilot in our love story. Yeah. And, you know, we've had many conversations. So <laughs> I think one of the reasons, you know, and to the people that are watching, I think one of the reasons that he trusted to bring me back on is because he knows how much I loved her. Yeah. He knew that yep. me and that brother had real deep conversations. Oh, we, we, have, we have some, we, <laughs> some tough conversations, right? <laughs> so, and then we have other conversations too, praise yeah. the Lord, you know. But, yeah. but um, you know, man, I, I want to see men heal. You know, and I think the reason that I came on, somebody asked me, they said, man, why are you going back on if you guys haven't divorced and you don't know where you're at? I said, because oftentimes people tell the story once they've overcame, but many people don't tell the story while they're going through. Yes. And I'm telling the story while I'm going through so that when somebody else is going through, they can watch this and say, oh, this is normal. That's what I'm talking about. This is part of the process. This is part of that growth process. I share the story about my father for a reason. Because sometimes as men, we have to unlearn what we've learned. Yes. We have to be willing to break the mold that molded us so that God could mold us the way he wants to mold us. And so for me, I had to unlearn the lack of value for women, that misogynistic attitude, that arrogant attitude that I had. And it took a woman that I love to help break me so that God can bless me. And so I think I'm better, uh, I'm better for it. And I still say, that she is the key to Corey. Mm. Hey, listen, y'all give it up for my boy, Corey Hughes, y'all. Ladarian thrusted suddenly into child protective services in 2015. My nephew, black, a boy. The likelihood of being adopted outside of kinship, slim to none. Armani, 16 years old, black, a boy, with five years in the foster care system before I even knew his name. The likelihood of ever being adopted? Yep, you guessed it. Slim to none. While Ladarian and Armani were trying to survive and barely thrive in an overpopulated and underfunded foster care system, I was living my own life, doing well professionally. Having been a single father with a daughter who at that point was doing well in college, it was my time to live my life, right? Wrong. I felt unsettled, tireless, agitated. There are just too many of our black children stuck in ambiguity and in the limbo of the foster care system. In 2017, I legally adopted my nephew, Ladarian. 
Fast forward to 2019, I had no ties to this other young king, but I felt God instructed me to adopt him also, and I obeyed. Starting over with parenting should have been enough, right? Working with various foster care and adoption agencies to help bring awareness to the countless young black kings in the foster care system should have decreased my agitation, right? Joining the board of directors of Advantage Adoption, an organization that helps find permanent adoptive homes for children in foster care should have led to some type of resolve, right? No, not at all. None of it felt like I had done enough. I now realize that every one of those experiences was laying the fundamental foundation for my life's mission, Kingdom Royale. Kingdom Royale will be a luxury, state-of-the-art home for foster boys. Our first location will be in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We will utilize the whole person approach that instills identity, empowers them to advocate for themselves, and enlightens them regarding new perspectives and limitless options that they thought were impossible. Though the young kings will attend the local public schools that are in proximity to Kingdom Royale, our at-home curriculum will broaden their worldview through participating in the arts, attending various cultural events, learning about and engaging in multifaceted discussions about current events and even relevant historical contexts, introducing them to gardening and landscaping and even caring for our animals on our farm and on-site stables. We just launched our startup capital campaign with the goal of raising $2.8 million. Now, why $2.8 million? Well, in 2017, I created a web series in which I performed random acts of kindness for targeting the homeless community. One of the most notable successes was that one of the videos went viral, garnering 28 million views. However, one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't raise a single dollar to help in implementing a more sustainable plan for the homeless community. So throughout the years, with much remorse, I reflected on not maximizing that moment. I knew if at that time, just 10% of the viewers donated $1, we would have raised at least $2.8 million that could have really established long-term support for the homeless community, or at least started a long-term initiative to do so. This is my do-over. This is our new beginning. Together, we can attack this at the root by specifically helping our homeless black boys who are already disproportionately represented in the American foster care system. I'm Latarius R. Whitfield. I've been nominated for three regional Emmys documenting my work with the homeless as well as my personal adoption journey. Despite those accolades, the greatest award for me is truly providing the infrastructure for a transformed life. Visit KingdomRoyale.com for more details. Crown a king and make a donation today. Man, this episode, first of all, I just like to give, uh, I'm going to just give Corey his props for being very, very vulnerable in this episode. Hey, as y'all know, I try to create a safe space for my guests that extends even in the social media streets. So if I read comments where y'all been extremely negative and not edifying, I'm going to delete it because I don't, um, I value when my guests come on the platform and share like they do. Because the whole point of them sharing is not only for my learning, but also for you guys to glean insight and wisdom on how you navigate in these dating streets and, and those in your marriages. So hopefully you learned a lot from this episode. 
Again, I thank Corey for being extremely vulnerable. Uh, but here's my favorite part of the podcast where I speak to my future wifey. Dear future wifey, honesty, a word rooted in vulnerability. Not sure if you've heard the song Honest by the talented vocalist Major, but I'm reminded of it while writing this letter. Being honest about our needs, intentions, and desires up front can alleviate unnecessary pain in the future. We can shield each other from the mind wanderings of unintentional mistakes by simply bearing it all at the onset. The word honest is defined as free of deceit and untruthfulness, sincere. Let's not practice deceit in any way with each other. Let's find safety in the word spoken by the other. Let's make our love serve as a blanket to cover the multitude of sins. Your future hubby. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Dear Future Wifey podcast. Remember, be lit, live intentionally and transparently, and don't stop loving. Make sure to subscribe to our Dear Future Wifey YouTube channel. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. We welcome your support. Simply share our podcast with your friends and family.